a real entrepreneur with a gourmet burger business, serving up real questions with a dash of reality. He's Rivers Corbett on the Startup Canada Podcast Network. And now broadcasting from Fredericton, New Brunswick, Rivers Corbett. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Season 2 of the Startup Canada Podcast Show. I'm your host, Rivers Corbett. The Startup Canada Podcast is a production of Startup Canada, the rallying network uniting Canada's entrepreneurship community. And on this podcast, we connect you, the idea person, the startup founder, the creative thinker with the movers and shakers of Canadian entrepreneurship. Here on the show is where we fill you in on trends and opportunities and possibilities for your next step as an entrepreneur and where we have conversations about advancing entrepreneurial growth and success in Canada. Today's episode is brought to you by Intuit QuickBooks, your partner in building a financially fit and fundable business. Get 50% off, that's right, 50% off QuickBooks online today by visiting intuit.quickbooks.ca forward slash start right. To any of our new listeners, remember to subscribe to the Startup Canada podcast in the iTunes store, then visit startupcan.ca to join the network to connect to support, mentors, training, funding, space, and to your local startup community. Big welcome to the show, my good friend David Alston, one of Atlantic Canada's biggest entrepreneur champions. And I happen to know that intimately. David and I have been hanging out for a while. He's currently the Chief Innovation Officer at Intro Hive, a startup advisor and the recent winner of Startup Canada's Entrepreneur of the Year Award for Atlantic Canada. Today's podcast, we're going to talk about opportunities for entrepreneurs in Atlantic Canada and the opportunity of the Atlantic for the world. Starting up, scaling, exiting, community building, marketing, giving back, and of course, equally as important, paying it forward. David is a serial entrepreneur, co-founder of Brilliant Labs, former CMO for Radian 6, volunteer advisor to New Brunswick Strategic Program Review, Cure Awards Industry Champion for 2015. And I'm, I'm still, I haven't stopped yet. I got more to go. He's a Forbes top 50 CMO in social media, co-winner of the 2014 EY Entrepreneur of the Year Award for Atlantic Canada, 2015 winner of the Entrepreneur of the Year and co-winner of the Enterprise Promotion for the Atlantic Region from Startup Canada. David, welcome to the show, my friend. Thank you very much. Glad so that, to be here. Well, there he is. And just a little side note on that, ladies and gentlemen, when uh, David was at the Startup Canada Awards in Halifax, I remember uh, remember saying my dream is to have the kids in New Brunswick say to their mothers and father, tell me the story about that David Alston guy oh, and the great brother. things he did. <laughs> you need better dreams. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's a start, man. It's a start. Oh, okay. It's a start. So, David, um, the first question is, is an interesting one because of uh, the reference point to the word leader. And, uh, you know, I'm a New Brunswicker. I'm, um, I'm uh, from here, been exposed to lots of uh, challenges that we face. But you've been quoted, my friend, as saying that New Brunswick can be the leader in digital government. Well, with a new government in Ottawa, this might be more so. Why digital government? And, you know, why is it unique to us? I mean, we're not ever thought about 
except being a leader, except for maybe potatoes and petroleum. <laughs> so uh, do do give. What's up with that? Well, I think you kind of nailed it on the head. You know, I think the uh, we have been leaders in the resource-based industries, both, I guess, in uh, New Brunswick and in Canada, right? And we're kind of feeling mm-hmm. the pain a little bit of being mm-hmm. a leader in a, you know, the petrodollar has certainly taken a, a whack in the last uh, year. So it's really about diversifying the economy. And I at the same time, it's about also picking a niche in the world or in North America and saying, we're going to be really good at this. And what's interesting about the, the government aspect of it is that back, uh, and you'd remember this, so back in the late 90s, um, we were known as the Living Lab uh, oh. in, right in New Brunswick. And part of that came from the fact that New Brunswick Telephone, MBTEL, um, was the first to put in an all-digital telephone network in North America, right? And it uh-huh. gave us this technology advantage over every other jurisdiction. And it was that combination of private sector drive and innovation combined with the government real- realizing that, you know what? we could actually build an economy off that and diversify the economy. And so it was that big kind of push. Uh, We saw a lot of call centers come here to New Brunswick. We certainly saw a lot of startups. Uh, And then I'd say probably the first wave of startups start then. Mm -hmm. And there was a big kind of economic boom for us for about 10 years. And during that time, the New Brunswick government also did some pretty big leap forwards when it comes to service New Brunswick. Uh, They kind of found a way to take all of these services and put them all online. And that was pretty advanced back then. Um, I know we kind of took it for granted in New Brunswick, but it actually was one of those things where there was all kinds of people from around the world that were coming to look at it. And we also, a little little do we, I don't know if many New Brunswickers even know this or even Canadians, but a lot of what UNB was doing on the geo um, geo side in terms of like uh, GPS technology and that kind of stuff, a lot of that was happening here in New Brunswick, and we have been, and I think we may be kind of slipping on this, but we have been the leader in that, so much so that a lot of the people here in New Brunswick uh, that came up through UND and all that kind of area, era actually are in big positions within Google, like where Google Maps and all that kind of stuff around the world. And we didn't know this. And it's, so it's one of those things where how do you, number one, create an opportunity to be a niche? And then two, what kind of technology, people, resources, ideas do you have that you can accelerate and really, really kind of put the put the um, the flag in the ground and say we're going to own this? And so, really, from what what we were going from on this was actually a bit of an idea that was spawned when we traveled to Estonia mm-hmm. two years ago for. What we were doing then was, which was recording a documentary to see how we can get coding or computer programming back to the school system. And while we were there in Estonia, and they are definitely leaders in that in the world, we actually saw how Estonia at the same time put itself on the map coming out of the Soviet era and deciding to kind of skip a couple generations and literally build their their government in the cloud before even people were talking about it in the cloud. And so we were saying, you know, this is amazing. It's actually where government should be. You know, if we take a look at everything else that's happened on technology in terms of the internet and all the consumer apps we use and how we, you know, do banking and everything else, you'd say, 
this is the way government should be. And when you saw it, it was like the light bulbs come on. And it, it was actually very inspirational. It was like, well, you know what? Speaking of startups, if New Brunswick is small, which it is, uh, relatively speaking to all the other provinces and a lot of the states in the U.S., if we're small, then small should be agile. And agile can, is very startup-y, or it can be. So why can't we act like a startup province? Why can't we actually tackle this idea of being the first to get to this point where we adopt similar technology and put the government in the cloud? Okay. And and do that. And so that was the idea moving well, I, from, okay. yeah, sorry, yes. a long explanation, but that's kind yeah, of no, where no, it's it a good from. explanation. And it's good. I mean, it's near and dear to me uh, because of obviously I, I feel the same heart tugs to this province that you do, but you, you, you mentioned a few points about we and government. And so my question is, is okay. You know, you're, you're preaching to the converted here. All of the people that are listening to this podcast, get you, they understand that. But then there's this, big, ugly monster that's living back in this 18th century for a lot of cases. What's the government saying about your vision, about your thoughts on that it can be the leader in digital government? Well, you know, you, you bring up an interesting point. And um, when you think about um, government, um, in a lot of cases, government was designed, it always has been designed for the delivery of policy or delivery of services, right? So, mm-hmm. Most of the people that work within government are probably doing one of those two things, delivering or figuring out policy, right, to that kind of stuff. Um, It's not necessarily designed for innovation or coming up with new ideas. Um, There's there's pockets, but it hasn't been designed that way. If you think about a startup now on the opposite side, a startup is designed, everything everything you do, you live and breathe every day. You come in, you're trying to break the processes from the previous day in terms of what didn't work, and you're trying to reinvent. So reinvention is nonstop on your mind in a startup. So those are two polar opposites. So I, I totally get that. So one of the things that um, one has to think about when they're saying, okay, well, how do you take this crazy bold idea and other ideas like that and say, how do we fuse innovation into a, traditionally a, dr- a delivery organization and having a culture of delivery as opposed right, to innovation? Culture. Yep, yep, yep. Right? Because it's a culture. It how is. do you infuse that? Which, by the way, when I was in Estonia, you literally had a hard time telling from all the different presenters that we met who was in government and who was in the startup. You cool. couldn't tell. Cool. They actually had that much of a cultural shift happen. And how and long so, a period when they started, David, started to interrupt yeah, between yeah, they it and, and when they were in that position, was it 10 years, 10, you know, 10 months? How long was that cultural <laughs> shift? Well, I, you know, I, I think it was over around 20 ish years. Yeah, that um, makes but sense. I think, yep. Yeah. But I think it accelerated too. I mean, I think you, you know, in, uh, at the same time, keep in mind, I mean, Estonia, when it, you know, the Soviets pulled out and I'll, you know, paint a, a visual picture. I'm sure it wasn't exactly like this, but when they pulled out, it was like, you know, good luck with all that. And, you know, (laughs) across the border. Right. And they're like, okay, we have no economy. We have no infrastructure. We have no, like we have nothing. So we got to build a democracy from scratch. And so, and as you know, when it comes to a, uh, an entrepreneur, yep. like, score. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I want baby. this, right? Let and you know in. what was interesting? At least twice when we met with people in Estonia, they said, and I quote, we were so lucky we had nothing mm. because mm. it drove innovation. And so mm. I think that's the other thing that 
you know, mm. we're not in that situation. We are, you know, we are, we have big challenges. There's no question. Mm-hmm. We have a bit of the boiling frogs problem. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. the heat gradually turning up and yep. we haven't hit like the wall. But what I will say is that in order to infuse innovation inside of a delivery organization, rather than, you know, you know, getting in there and like shaking it up because you, you want delivery to still be done properly. You want it still to be a well-oiled machine. You don't want to... You can't stop the ship from sailing, but what you can do is almost like if you think of it, if I use the ship analogy, is you can pull a tugboat along the outside of it that's super agile, that has lots of interesting things that it can provide. You can try stuff in the tugboat. You can kind of gradually start bumping the boat towards the direction it needs to be going with the agility of the tugboat. And so the idea of the tugboat basically is the idea of creating labs. So let's create a, a safe space on the edge of government for either social labs to kind of tackle social problems or an economic stuff, or even this digital government uh, philosophy thing that we're talking about, which we did, we created a digital lab called NB plus and mm-hmm. it's gradually coming on board with the combination of private sector, passionate people and passionate people we're finding with government that come out and work in this lab. Yeah. And there are and passionate if, people within government. Absolutely. There's no doubt about it. Yep. Absolutely. They are there. Yep. Yeah. And that's how you do it. Yep. The idea is you, you create a safe space, you create a platform that you say, okay, that's where we're going to do the innovation. And you just start working it. That's it. That's all you can do. Well, my friend, I, I, I can guarantee you and I could go through a, a two, four beer really well <laughs> on this conversation. Cause I got a lot of other questions I, I want to ask you all on right, that topic. Move, let's move on. Yeah, let's move on. But uh, it's, it's really enlightening that there's a, a champion in that regard uh, from your perspective. And, uh, and I got a lot of faith in your ability to be able to, to be one of the leaders to do that. So let's kind of broaden and talk about Atlantic Canada. You know, you're heavily involved in Atlantic Canada's entrepreneur scene, and uh, there are so many freaking amazing things going on in Atlantic Canada. Can you give us, you know, one or two that you, that would be, and I know you're a tech guy so i'm gonna ask you the other side you give us a tech answer and then give us a non-tech answer on what are some cool things that are happening in the entrepreneurial scene for atlantic canada all right well i'll give you a kind of a general one it's uh tomorrow um so i don't know when this is going to air but uh so 24 hours from now i'm going to be uh helping judge some of the uh propel ict um uh, candidates for the co- upcoming cohort. And right. I believe, and maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe I read there was 200, more than 200 um, companies slash individuals that applied for this uh, accelerator. Right. And they had to narrow it down, which I think is absolutely amazing. Mm-hmm. Really, when you think mm-hmm. about it, 200. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it that's is. That's awesome, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, part of me also goes, well, if there's only, you know, X, a small percent that make it through, I'm like, how do we keep those 190 <laughs> right. excited, yeah. right? Yeah, of course, of right? course. How do we do yeah. that? So that's, a cool that's challenge. one thing. So to yeah. me, that's exciting times. It's definitely becoming a thing here. Uh, it has been, and it's just superheating. I think it's hockey sticking now up the curve yes. in terms of people believing that entrepreneurship is a path. So that's the first thing. And, and I guess that's related to tech because Propel Sure. ICT is and Propel I- ICT has expanded its uh, its its boundaries to include all of Atlantic Canada now, has it not? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. That's yeah. that's cool too, right? Yeah. To be able to, you know, network them all together. And mm-hmm. I think that's important. I mean, overall, we're small enough as a region. Mm-hmm. We all know each other. We've got that one mm-hmm. degree of separation. Mm-hmm. There's no need to create all these separate organizations and accelerators. And and so I love the fact that it's all networked together. And we've seen that too. 
Okay, and I'll, I'll say on the non-social side too, in terms of entrepreneurialism, mm-hmm. we're seeing things like the Wallace McCain Institute, you know, and its cohort mm-hmm. program started mm-hmm. in New Brunswick, gradually mm-hmm. expanded out, right? And it's not just focused on tech companies. I believe they have a cohort for, and I, you went, did you go through this? I'm not sure. I can't remember if you did or not. Well, thank you, David, for bringing up that sore point. I actually <laughs> made it to the finals you. and then was shown the door. What they do, ladies and gentlemen, they give you all envelopes. And if your envelope comes up with nothing in it, you have to leave. No. <laughs> well, there, there's there you another go. Thing. So right. There you go. What's that all about? Yeah, no, make I mean, a note. Never invite David on the show. <laughs> Sorry, sorry, but, I was never involved either. So there yeah, you go. We can. But it's a good organization. They're doing it is great absolutely things. Great yeah, 100%. And they do focus on not just tech entrepreneurs. They They're do, focusing yeah. on what mm-hmm. two ICs. I think they have one. They have one mm-hmm. family businesses oriented. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so it's really about how do we take these entrepreneurs and how do we scale them up or how do we knock that glass ceiling off the top? And then you got programs like you know the Pondish Bondé. Mm-hmm. Uh, programs that are there, right? I mean, uh, the B4 Change uh, is an example, uh, Accelerator or whatever, uh, that allows, you know, bringing all these social entrepreneurs together. Mm. you got their student ambassador program. Uh, you've got, I mean, it, there's a number of different things. Oh, and the other one I'm thinking about is the 21 Inc., right? right. So right. started in New Brunswick again, but it's expanded across Atlantic Canada. I had a chance to speak with these young leaders um, this summer. Awesome. Like yeah. these, you know, and again, these, these folks may not all be, if you want to call it entrepreneurs in the traditional sense, but their entrepreneur spirit of entrepreneurship right. lives deep within them. And yep. they may go, they go back to their job, sometimes working in a city, in administration, sometimes working in a hospital, sometimes working in their own business. But I think yeah. that's the key is we find ways to reach out and we are finding ways to reach out to all those folks in terms of turning on the entrepreneurial gene, no matter what you're doing. I love that. Yeah, I love that comment. I mean, first of all, I love your answer because you notice, ladies and gentlemen, he didn't specifically focus on a on a on a company. He talked about the ecosystem and how that is evolving so nicely to really represent what the village is uh, is 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 all about. And uh, and then the uh, the next part you focused in on was. Uh, was including youth and including those individuals that are not don't want to play in the game in the game but want to be part of the game whether it's the water boy the general manager you know the uh, the technical writer whatever i find that too a lot of people want to play in the game but not necessarily be the game so and it's a good point and I'll, i'll make this other point too is that Often when you think the entrepreneur, and I'm, I'm a prime example, right? I'm, I was super fortunate to be chosen and uh, for folks to vote me in this year for the, the Atlantic uh, Entrepreneur of the Year. Mm-hmm. But I'm, I'm, I'm not a CEO, and I, I've never been a CEO, and I, I don't really aspire to be a CEO. But mm. I consider myself an entrepreneur mm. uh, and I, because of the way I think, right? To me, it's a state of mind. So, I love it. Right? And so mm-hmm. I think – so many people, yes, a lot of entrepreneurs end up as CEOs running their own companies, but they're so, as you know, with your company, you mm-hmm. want to hire as many entrepreneurs as you can because mm-hmm. that thinking is what propels you. They come with ideas. They come with yeah. passion. Yeah. They come with, you know, you know, ways to expand the business and serve customers better and everything. That kind of thinking entrepreneurial thinking it does not matter you don't have to be a ceo you can be you can be i personally i've always loved being 
on the executive team because I love strategy, but I've always generally found my spot that I like is on the strategy, innovation, marketing space. You know, that's where I love, that's my sweet spot. I'm not really interested in the financial part. I'm, and I'm not really interested necessarily in doing full on sales, though. I love to support sales and I love to be there. But I already know that. And yeah. and so, and I've decided in my life, I can be an entrepreneur and I can be part of organizations and deliver that in a passionate way and not necessarily aspire to be the CEO. And I'm completely happy with that. And well, I get it, kicked from that. It, and, and it's an excellent point. And you've reinforced uh, one of the things when I talk to high school kids, I, you know, I, I always talk about, you know, business is, uh, is, is, a, is a team sport and it's about winning the championship and all this kind of, and I say, you know, who was the, who was the goalie that, uh, that played for the Canadian men's winter Olympic gold hockey team. And it comes back, it's Carey Price. And I say, yeah, how many goals did score and they say none I said that's right but he loves to play in the game in that role so find the game you want to play in and the role you love to play and are good at it and play that role and that's exactly what you said there so yeah I agree so let's talk about you becoming an entrepreneur you know what uh, what was the the uh, the point where you said I need to check out what's going on over there or was it a lemonade stand when you were a kid that started it <laughs> Well, I think it's, and I think this is probably similar to a lot of people. It's a bit of a road. It's a journey, right? Mm -hmm. And there are a number of stops along the way where things just start to click. And I'd say if I picked a couple of those spots, my, my early, and this is why I'm so passionate about coding in schools is that the, I think it really, really first clicked for me is when I started programming and I date myself with this, but on an old Commodore CBM computer in grade eight. In Sussex, New Brunswick. Oh, so, now you're dating yourself in Sussex. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, but that's when, and it really came down to me. It's not, it, I wouldn't have called it entrepreneurialism. I wouldn't have called, even called it innovation. What I called it back then was problem solving. And I yeah. think yeah. that is the root uh, of most entrepreneurs uh, is they love to solve problems. They yeah. just get like the kicks out of like, trying to tackle big problems. The bigger, the better. Keep coming at me with problems. And in some cases, as we see, and this is the traditionally hard part of a lot of entrepreneurs, right, is when they move from building a business to running a business, right? And there are different challenges. But, uh, and that's personally, actually, that's why I love startups, because I generally love the earlier part of it and not necessarily when it gets to a certain point. So anyway, um, that would have been probably the first piece. Uh, I think the second piece would have been joining NBTEL, I mentioned them earlier, you know, they they were a very entrepreneurial yeah. um, this telephone company, relatively speaking. And I learned a lot about, you know, business there. You know, I was a product manager when I got started, which was awesome. I had a chance to do advertising manager and account manager. I got to see different parts of it. And then it was really um, getting a taste of it as part of a, I call it a division. It was called New North Media, which eventually actually morphed into Innovatia, which is a startup. Mm or actually more than a startup now, big, sure large is. business here, right? I mean, it's a large <laughs> technology business here. Yeah. Um, and I got a bit of a taste of it and was like, oh, this is kind of neat, right? You're starting to see kind of the bigger picture. And I think that's what attracts, started to attract me because I always loved that in, in university was mm. talking strategy and everything else. But as you know, when you get started in a business, you usually are got a, you're in a position that's pretty carved out. 
and yep. you don't necessarily see the whole Particularly thing. Particularly at MBTEL, which oh, you're fortunate sure, right? to be in that entrepreneurial community in a bigger enterprise. Absolutely. And to have a product manager role, too, mm. gave you at least that kind of that right. whole you know, a view of the whole picture. Right. And so it was, but it was when I was invited to join, um, iMagic TV with Marcel Lebrun, um, in week, literally week two, uh, building iMagic TV. And that to me was the big leap. I was working for the phone company, right? Had the pension plan at the time, (laughs) you know, you know, you're going to be able to retire with the white picket fence and the kids through university, you know, and the woodworking tools. Yeah, that's right. right? Trust us, trust us. It will happen. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But it was all there, right? I mean, it was, it was a, you know, in in quotes, safe job to be in. It's no longer, right? I mean, phone companies are not necessarily safe. They sure aren't. But it was safe at the time, and I literally made the leap out to this week-old startup um, doing some wild and crazy stuff about delivering – who could imagine delivering TV over the internet? That's nuts, <laughs> right? So, But, right, it was a mega challenge. And yeah. to me, that leap – even though my mother-in-law thought I was crazy, right? You know, it's like, what are you doing? But it's yeah, like, and I know yeah. your mother-in-law. I can I can hear her saying that too. <laughs> you know how she say it exactly. Yeah, I know how she would say it. Yep. And, but she, you know, I made we made the leap, and I looked at it and I said, you know, what's the worst thing that could happen? Well, the worst thing that could happen, yeah, I'm going to have to look for a new job. But man, I'm going to learn so much. And this right. is a key thing I think for a lot of people when they're considering, you know, maybe they're intrapreneurial within a larger company, and they're like, oh, I wish I could do my own thing. Be yeah part of a startup. It's that leap of faith. And to me, that's if you look at it and say, what's the worst thing that happened? Well, I'm going to get a crap load of awesome experience, something I probably won't get in the role I'm in today, because I'm going to get thrown at so many things thrown at me. I'm going to learn so much. It's going to be a, a super fast ride. And you know what? Every single one of those qualities, I'd say almost every company wants. Mm-hmm. Right. So your mm-hmm. resume just shot up in value when mm-hmm. you do that. So it was nice. like, hmm, you know, it doesn't sound like a bad thing. So, yeah. and I think that was when it clicked for me. Well, I, you know, it's uh, you were bang on with regards to that. People always say to me, you know, what, why did you, you know, what did you think about getting your MBA? And I said, what it did is got me a free education working with a lot of cool people for a relatively short period of time. Uh, I was, uh, I was with the phone company. I don't know if you knew that in Nova Scotia and, yeah. and when, when cellular first started out, I was conned to, to do that also. So it was a fast paced world and I understand that value, but you mentioned something a little earlier and you talked about problem solving and you talked about what you're so passionate about with kids and coding. Can you spend uh, less than five minutes kind of sharing with us? <laughs> that's the challenge. Yeah, you know that's that, the really. challenge. That Solve this challenge. problem, Mr. Austin. <laughs> the challenge is time. I just challenge used up 15 seconds of it. Um, right. Because we, I think it's a really, really powerful mission you're on. This is not a program. This is a mission to, of course, enhance skills, but also solve a bigger problem, which I think is all about problem solving and innovation. To me, um, when I, you know, one of the things that we have in a province right now that we're going through, or uh, we have a couple of uh, really passionate people I've gotten to meet in terms of writing a 10-year education plan, you know, and soaking myself mm-hmm. in that, um, and this is related to the coding part, is right. that imagine if we had every kid graduating from uh, school where they felt that they are tapped into their full potential, they're tapped into their confidence, and they are problem solvers. Forget everything else. 
Yeah. They were problem solvers and they felt the confidence that if thrown at any problem was thrown at them, they knew how to figure that out because they had the tools and the toolbox to do that. To me, being a problem solver means a lifelong learner, right? Mm-hmm. You don't, it's not about going to high school when you're done. There's like, phew, I, yeah. f- good yeah. luck. I'm glad I'm out of that thing. I don't have to learn anymore. Wrong. Yeah. yeah. That's one of the problems. To me, imagine a province full of problem solvers. We had 730,000 people that every single one of us was a problem solver. This province would be like, or for that matter, province, Atlantic region, we would rip past every single jurisdiction in the world right because on. because of that uh and because we'd be able to take technology and infuse it in we'd be able to take um you know everything we're doing and add improvements and efficiencies and innovation we'd be able to create new products and so on and so forth so this is the primary reason why i'm so passionate about coding because coding in school coding is one of those few things and because I, I experienced it myself that made you stop and go Whoa, okay, how am I going to fix this? And you had to fail multiple times before you solved it. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. And you embraced that failing. And you embraced it. And it was right. fun. And it was a mm-hmm. journey. It wasn't about study this, regurgitate that, get mm-hmm. good mark next. Mm-hmm. Right? It was literally about mm, keep trying. That no, didn't work. Mm, keep trying. Collaborate with friend. What did you do? How did you do it? Oh, look at other code. Oh, that's how they did it. And you were constantly, your mind's constantly going. Once you get your brain kind of in that gear, I don't think it stops because you get the adrenaline attached to that. And you're like, oh, I love this. I love problem solving. That is why I think coding is so important. I We need to turn on that part of every kid's brain, which by the way, this is the interesting part. I think every kid comes out of the box with that turned on yeah, neat. and the way this, I mean, the education system was designed for the industrial age. And what was the industrial age? Mm. We need to have workers that come out that comply and can do the same thing over and over again on the assembly line and do it with a smile on their face. That is not what we need today, right? We need innovators. We got machines that will do that stuff. We need the people designing the machines, designing the assembly line for the machines to do that, right? We need people that can take information, mash it together, solve problems, build on top of stuff. Look at how, you know, think about it. If GPS didn't exist, Uber didn't, wouldn't exist. And Uber, like everyone's saying, is the largest, you know, whatever, transportation company in the world, but owns no infrastructure. Right. That's crazy. Yeah. But that's the way it is, right? It's an yeah. idea. That's an idea out of the vapor yeah. that was created to create an app that, ex- that on an app store that didn't even exist like seven years ago. That's nuts. But that is the way it is. And so if we're not training our kids to be thinking about that kind of thing, to be embracing that, to be looking at every single platform that continues to be kind of bumped up in terms of technology and capabilities and ways to get things done faster, better, smarter. If we don't equip our kids with that, they're already coming out behind the eight ball. So right on. Love and that's it. there you go. Yeah, you did a good job under five minutes, <laughs> but very impactful. And uh, there's a lot of people, obviously, that think the way same way you do. And I'm assuming that you're. On, I mean, you're on the uh, the education uh, task force and so on. So I'm presuming that you've got friendly ears that are hearing this this vision that you have, and and, and you're making it real. I mean, I've seen it. I've seen it in action. It's uh, it's very cool. Well, so, he, actually, just I want to make a point in that because I think okay. this is important. I'm actually I put myself 
in the position of wanting to input to the the plan. I didn't, I'm not, I, there is no official, well, there is an official task force. I think it's a mixture of different folks, right but I'm not like officially on any task force. But I think that's another important thing I want to leave with all the entrepreneurs or would be entrepreneurs on this, on this podcast. Make yourself available. Get in there and help with your ideas. Uh, and I don't mean like go in at the bull in the china shop and say, yeah. I have my ideas, blah, blah, blah. But no, but get in there. Use your listening skills. Use your innovation skills, right? Use your like, you know, connection skills. You go, wait a minute, this is a lot like that. And there seems to be a gap. And get the conversation going. I mean, entrepreneurs are go-getters. They're diggers, right? They're always trying to solve things. Well, right there's an example. And I, I just literally drew myself into it. And the deeper I got, the more I'd see and the more I'd want to share and, and so on and so forth. And you know what? In the end, most people want to do good for the world. They want to improve the world. They want, the, you know, they're not out to, well, you know, I don't want that person. They're not, you know, I call it small P political, you know, in terms of like running someone's ideas down. No, they want to, they want the best for their kids. They want the yeah. best for their province or their mm -hmm. country or their state. So the thing is, is that, you know, if you've got those capabilities and your brain works like that, and every entrepreneur listening to this podcast is like that, I urge you, please find a way to get involved somehow. Like, don't wait to be asked. Right. Just get in there. You know what I mean? You never yeah. waited to be asked to build your startup. So don't wait for this. That makes yeah. no sense. <laughs> Love it. So we get two more questions for you. And then what the first one has to get to do with the second last one has to do with intro hive. And, uh, you know, you've been building that business for a while. Uh, you've got an all-star team in place. And so what are the, what are some top two, uh, I want to say the word qualities, but I don't even know if that's the right one. What's when you're looking for an all-star team, what are some top two things that you must have to be on your team? Well, I, I'm going to, I'll, I'll take a look at, let's say, uh, Radiant 6 and IntraHive okay. uh, together. And one of the things I often tell uh, folks when they ask that question, especially when it comes down to people and team, is um, you, you have to be, and what I'll do is I'll focus maybe on like the founder slash executive level. And I know, look, the company's made up right. a lot, right? But that's kind of where I've spent the last bit in. So yep, that's fair. I just want to focus on that because to me, you know, when it comes down to if you are a tech company and you're looking for investment, most of the time, the number one thing that the investors are going to look at is the team, right? So and I know a lot of time people say, no, it has to be the idea, but well, you can, you're going to pivot on the idea, right? And you're going to go after the market and you're going to build that. But the team is the, t you know what I mean? Like the people that are there, so key. And so right. for me, I need to be able to look around uh, the room and in the in Radiant Six's case, we actually all were in the same room and we kept it that way. Yeah. And in, right. In Intro Hive's mm -hmm. perspective, we're actually, it's the opposite. We're all virtual. And right. we all kind of like, you know, communicate that way in the team's virtual, which is also a new model, right? Of building a business. So, but you have to be able to look around physically or virtually and say, that person is the absolute best person in that role. And I trust them inherently. And I love that they're on the team. And then you look at the next person and go, and you have to be able to do that. You love and that it, they're on the team. I, I love that love you said it. that. Yeah. 
Yeah, you have so, to love you, you, it. Yeah, you're very. You, you just go to sleep with a big smile that you've Absolutely. got that person on your team. Absolutely, and to me, if you can't do that, then you might have the wrong person. Then maybe an awesome person. Wow. Maybe they're in the wrong role. Maybe they need to have someone paired with them. Whatever that is. So that's number one. Number two, uh, I used the word uh, pol- uh, small p political before, but to me. Politics, uh, small p politics, uh, aka I'm out for me as opposed mm. I'm out for the customer. Mm. That kind of stuff will rot a company out from the inside out. And so for me, it's ne- it's always been about if there's someone in it for themselves and they're all about themselves and or they think that way and they're always covering their butt and doing all this other stuff, they have no place in the business. Mm. Not on the business that's going to be successful because they'll become a drag and they'll become they will they'll create all this doubt and they'll create everyone, you know, checking their backs. You don't need it. And it doesn't yeah. take many. It takes one, maybe takes two one. Pe- one person and it yeah. starts, right? If you see that Find a way to stop it. And then stopping usually, unfortunately, means the person has to leave because you just can't when you're building a Super Bowl team, you can't have someone that's going to take the team down like that. It just doesn't work. Well, it's interesting you mentioned that because I use football a lot in analogies when I'm when I'm teaching, and we've seen so many examples, whether it's football, hockey, or whatever, of the superstar that's come into the team who is supposed to be <clears throat> the best at what they do, but because they're so self centered, they end up bringing the entire team down with them. These these teams that were supposed to win Super Bowls don't even make it to the playoffs, and it has to do with one or two individuals. Really, really excellent point. So, um, David. Uh, You've been uh, a great supporter of Startup Canada for pretty well since you've become aware of us and hanging out with us and so on. And so my question to you is that, uh, and it's an important one, is that what role do you see for Startup Canada in continuing to advance the uh, the culture and the community around uh, entrepreneurship? And you can take that on a national scale or a regional scale. It doesn't really matter, but uh, we'd love to hear your insight. Well, I was just saying this to someone the other day that um, was asking about, you know, what organizations out there are focused on entrepreneurship. And I'm, I'm, I'm super impressed with Startup Canada uh, for a number of different reasons. Um, to me, um, as a, and I think this is important, being a marketing guy, but Startup Canada has done an excellent job of um, raising awareness, marketing, uh, creating momentum. Right. Mm-hmm. Sure uh, to me, this is example, you know, the podcast that mm-hmm. uh, we're on right now. I mean, the idea of right. taking content and sewing all these ideas into that and sharing those ideas amongst others. I, that's great. Uh, I think that, you know, they put on an amazing events. They do an amazing amount of of pre and post event stuff. So to me, the machine itself is uh, I have rarely seen uh, an organization as digitally savvy and marketing savvy as Startup Canada. So that's the first thing. And I think it has to be said because frankly, it's just, it is an outstanding part of it. Now, I think that because of that, it means they can they can get the attention of the people they need to get the attention of, right? Uh, and that could be policymakers, right? Um, right? I can be, you know, sp- uh, sp- getting sponsorships so that you can do these events. Uh, you can you can afford to pay the people to, you know, gather stuff up to, you know, to put out the content, and so on and so forth. So, to me, they're hitting all the, the hitting hitting it all right on the, you know, basically hitting all the right nails on the head. Now, they're also one of the I found too good at listening. So, you know, surveys go out, 
Can you Uh give us some feedback? That kind of thing. Um, Certainly always listening to feedback and help and and interested in the various perspectives too. And I think it's good to be uh, singularly focused, which they are around, you know, startups and entrepreneurship. Um, But it's also good to think of the whole breadth of startups in entrepreneurship too. And I think in some ways, I guess we kind of covered some of that. And I, I was super I was super excited that I was able to talk like when I was able to give the keynote um, in the Atlantic region and I was able to, and they were like, yeah, go for it. Talk about (laughs) what you're passionate about around entrepreneurship. And and I never talked about a company perspective, though I know there's many that have that. And I think it's important that they share that. But for me, entrepreneurship was something different. And I think I really, really think the role that they have in terms of showing the breadth of entrepreneurship. So it's a culture. So it's a spirit of entrepreneurship is so key. And I think they're embracing that, which I love. Very good. So you're saying keep doing what you're doing. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. 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 It's a, it's, it is true. I mean, there's some, look, there's some minor things that can happen, but on the big scale boys, they really got their act together. And, uh, and interesting enough for the, for the listeners was a startup at some point in time. I mean, the two people that's, that did start it, they were less than 30 years old and, um, they uh, took this social enterprise and really created something special off of it and, 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 ha- and still have a bigger vision that they want to accomplish. So, uh, yeah. And, so, and, and literally, they stop at nothing in terms of feeling that, you know, if this is something they need to do, they're going to go after it. And right to on. me, they are, they're living the spirit of what an entrepreneur <laughs> yeah. is and they're doing it within the organization. And that's key. If you're going to yeah. be surrounded by entrepreneurs, right? So yeah, very cool. Well, David, so tell me my friend, if you could, uh, what's the, what's a final observation you have children. What's the one thing that you would say you're not allowed to talk to your children ever again after uh, this piece of advice you're going to give them about uh, entrepreneurship. What's the one piece of advice you would give them uh, if they wanted to enter into the world of their father? Dad's not as crazy as you think when you're in your teens. <laughs> <laughs> you know exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah, no, yeah. I'm just kidding. No, I, I'd say, I'd say basically is, um, uh, find it actually is something you said, I think earlier, and I don't know if I'm going to quote it correctly, but you know, find your, I think it's, or maybe it was something I said, someone, I talked to so many people, sometimes I forget, might've been someone I said earlier to someone today is that find your passion and, um, you know, make, make a, make a business out of it or, or make an organ, make an organization around it. Right. Um, if you can, right. Um, life's too short to be doing something you don't like. Right. And, and it's not making the impact that you want in the world. So, right. you know, it, it may take you a while to find that and that's OK. And you know what? And again, that doesn't mean you have to lead it. It could just be you find the organization yeah. of other entrepreneurs and you team up with them. Right. And, and bring your passion to that. But, you know, a lot of us spend a lot of time at work and now with, you know, mobile technology, work follows us all the time. So, look, if you're going to be doing something and you're going to be involved in something, you know, make it something that you almost can look at and say, you know what, this does not even feel like work. This right. just feels like I just, it, it gives me, you know, purpose and, right. and focusing on that to me is, is so key. 
Well, there's uh, just to reinforce that uh, one of my favorite mentors, he doesn't know he's my mentor, is Richard Branson. And uh, you know, one of the things he said uh, in many of his quotes, he said, it's, it's not work, it's not play, it's lifestyle. So yeah. choose that lifestyle that you embrace. So, yeah. ladies and gentlemen, this has been David Alston. You know, he's Atlantic Canada's big player, and he has shown us great potential and leadership here. And uh, and I must say, amongst all the greatness he has created for uh, for our community, so he is full of humility too. He's always a great guy to hang around with, and a uh, ton of fun to have a beer with. So you come to Atlantic Canada, we'll uh, hook you up with David. He's a lot of fun. So thank you very much, David. It's been a real pleasure Uh, and thanks for having me on i really appreciate it thank you for joining us today on the startup canada podcast a weekly program dedicated to unlocking the entrepreneurial potential of every canadian want access to even more amazing entrepreneur content well then make sure you check out startupcan.ca for the latest startup community news and upcoming events like the popular online training events startup chats and startup school visit startupcan.ca forward slash events for more details and my name is rivers corbett i'm your host as always i invite you to follow me on twitter at rivers corbett i do the same thing with conveying all kinds of cool ideas and uh, conversations with entrepreneurs around the planet to help you guys have super success and also i'm pleased to introduce my newest business venture coaching by rockstars That's www.coachingbyrockstars.com where I am building an amazing team of business coaches to help entrepreneurs around the planet. If you've got an interest in that, come and check us out. Until next week, I'm Rivers Corbett leaving you now with a sneak peek of next week's episode. I want to call out, what's the province in this country or region in this country that isn't doing a good job with social innovation right now? Oh, that's not fair. Yes, that, it that, is. <laughs> yes, it's totally fair. This is my show, not yours, even though you've, you've answered all the questions, even though I've, answered, I've only asked you one. <laughs> you know, I, I, I mean, I can honestly say uh, I'm, I'm probably, I've done a lot of work on policy in my uh, 11 years at CSI. I'm one of the co-founders of the Ontario Nonprofit Network. Uh, and I've been one of the founders of the Social Enterprise Council of Canada, and 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 um, but I'm I'm getting tired of policy on this issue, mm-hmm. uh, and so I'm, um, you know, I've really had to make some decisions strategically uh, as an organization. You know, what is the role of government in this? Uh, that's the question I have asked, and you know, I would love to be able to open up government programs that are designed for for profits to be open to nonprofits across the whole country. It mm-hmm. is absolutely insane and insulting that the federal programs that exist out there actively exclude nonprofits like the Shred Credits, like the IRAP programs, because they don't think that nonprofits can be innovators, mm-hmm. and they don't think that we do our own R&D. And so from my perspective, the first step, and this is across the country in every province and at the federal government and at the city level, is to recognize that nonprofit social enterprise is 
just or potentially more innovative than traditional business and should have access to the same government programs and should be evaluated on the merits inherent in what we're proposing. So making sure that we have a level playing field, which gives everybody, whether regardless of the of the legal governance form that they have, um, that we all have an equal playing field. And I'll also say, oh, now you got me going. (laughs) Uh, You know, the obsession with hybrid legislation is a distraction. So there's a lot of different governments in, across the province that are, you know, trying to evolve this new legal form. And, and although I can see it being just lovely, uh, the market has really um, formed already. And too often, legislation is designed really as a marketing arm for the for-profit sector. And while I think that that can be valuable, I would argue that B Corp has already filled the space and that the for-profit sector could care less. Mm. So I would suggest that we actually stop focusing on funds and legal and that we all start focusing on building the entrepreneurs, the social entrepreneurs of the future, because we have a real problem with deal flow. We have lots of money that would like to go into social finance, that would like to be invested, and we have inadequate business models that are actually working to solve problems. And we need entrepreneurs. I mean, this is why I'm on this show. I want to call all the incredible entrepreneurs who know darn well in their heart that they can apply what they're doing to actually start making real impact on the world. That's the kind of shift that we need to see. And guess what? It's not going to be driven by government. It's going to be us. 